Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of The Road to Net Zero, a new podcast from the Advanced Propulsion Centre. My name is Clem Silverman and as we continue our series about hydrogen in automotive, this episode we ask the question, why should we use hydrogen to power vehicles and not just batteries? Well, APC CEO Ian Constance is back, speaking to energy and transport journalist David James to explain in more detail about the size of the economic opportunity for hydrogen in automotive and the work that we do to accelerate that development. Check back again next week, but until then, over to you, David. My name is David James, and in this short series of interviews, I'm talking to some of the leaders in the field of hydrogen transport. For this interview, I went to the headquarters of the Advanced Propulsion Centre at the University of Warwick to meet Ian Constance, the CEO of the APC, to talk about the future of hydrogen transport. So just talk a little bit about the Advanced Propulsion Centre. What do you do? Well, the Advanced Propulsion Centre is an organisation whose mission is to ensure that the UK stays at the very forefront of the transition of road transport to zero emission vehicles. And we do that by supporting collaborative research and development into new technologies that are going to support both that transition to zero emission and the UK economy, uh, growth in the UK economy, as well as investing directly into the new generation of supply chain products that are going to support that transition. Now, Advanced Propulsion Centre is a partnership between government and industry. Why can't industry just do this by themselves? Well, we're in a a massive transition here. The world is changing very fast. And of course, we need to move to that zero emission state perhaps quicker than market forces would do by themselves. If we let the market forces just take their own course and companies would invest in the technology, then the supply chains would slowly form, we just wouldn't get there in time. So it's really important that the government help and the taxpayers help just to do their little bit. And actually, it's a small amount of money in the overall scheme of things that we're putting in, but it, it, it's a hugely important part of catalyzing that activity and driving and leading that activity. And what does UK taxpayer get out of this? You can imagine a situation where today we have an, an industry that pre-pandemic was producing about 1.7 million vehicles a year and and importantly producing two and a half million uh, internal combustion engines, a lot of which are exported. Imagine a post-transition world where we're driving lots of battery electric vehicles and perhaps hydrogen vehicles and if we don't invest in that new state of producing those battery electric vehicles and the parts that go into them, then we're going to ship them all in from, uh, from overseas. That means hundreds of thousands of very well-paid jobs in the UK will go, and that will wreak havoc on the UK's economy. But all that innovation, all that uh, technology, all that productivity, the uh, UK automotive industry is one of the most productive in the world, will go from our shores, and we will be much poorer for that. There's no doubt in my mind. Now... In terms of the low-carbon transport, people are getting comfortable with the idea that electric cars are going to be the way. And we're seeing these concept demonstrators of large trucks that are going to be battery, electric, etc. But batteries aren't the only solution from your point of view, are they? 
No, I think there, there's a myth there that we're going to get all the way to decarbonizing road transport with battery electric vehicles. Now, batteries are a really important part of the solution. And in my mind, there's no doubt that batteries will form the biggest element of decarbonizing transport for particularly for light vehicles and people doing relatively short journeys, which let's face it is most of us most of the time. But when you have to take heavy loads or when you have to drive long distances or when you need a vehicle that is always going to be available and uptime is critical and rely, you know, having that ability to get in at any time and drive, then batteries have a, a, a disadvantage. So hydrogen, where does hydrogen fit in then? What You've, you've talked about the disadvantages of batteries in certain circumstances, but what's the advantages of hydrogen? Well, well hydrogen offers the potential to have completely clean solution. So when you put hydrogen through a fuel cell, you get energy out and you get water out. And so it's perfectly clean. Uh, and that fuel cell can be used then to create electricity to drive the vehicle. So it's still an electric vehicle, but it's a fuel cell electric vehicle instead of a battery electric vehicle. There's actually a battery in there as well. Um, there's another use for hydrogen is well, you can burn hydrogen. You can burn hydrogen in an internal combustion engine. And again, the main output is going to be steam, water. So again, it's a very clean way of producing zero carbon transport. And from a user's point of view, an operator's point of view, which markets or use cases do you think fit hydrogen the best? Yeah, so I come back to this point that if it's uh, light duty, so cars and light vans, you know, it's going to go electric. Then when you start moving up the curve, you know, when you get to the heavy trucks that are doing long distances, pan-continental or up and down the country, uh, those kind of vehicles will are likely to need something else. And hydrogen offers that ability to come and charge up like you would with petrol or diesel in a few minutes and get on your way again. Beyond those heavy trucks, there is things like off-road vehicles, the machines that you know build the roads or work our fields in agriculture and things like that. So those heavy vehicles that use a lot of energy uh, are the ones that are going to need a different solution to batteries. And it's not just the vehicles that need support because we need the infrastructure to refuel. Infrastructure is a real key part of this whole story. It's the same thing for batteries, of course, you know, and what you're hearing now, as we see that uptick of battery electrics, you're hearing a lot of talk all the time about the infrastructure, the charging infrastructure. And so, you know, we've known this is coming on batteries for a while. It's taken us a while to understand that infrastructure story. We've got to avoid that with hydrogen because hydrogen is going to be, be coming in those heavy vehicles. So we are going to need to put that infrastructure in place. And, and that's what we, you know, call the, the, the chicken and egg here. If you don't put the infrastructure in place, you can't, it's less in, it attractive for people to invest in the innovation and invest in the vehicles and buy the vehicles. So, you know, you've got to have the consumer, the product and the infrastructure all working in kind of a virtuous circle. Just talk about the economic opportunity that hydrogen represents for the United Kingdom. There's no doubt that uh, the UK is doing some great things in developing hydrogen related technologies. And that's 
both in terms of the generation. We've got a great chemical and process sector. So the generation and, and the support for hydrogen, there's a lot of uh, activity going on there. But obviously, my interest is more on the vehicle side of things. And again, we've got some fantastic businesses in the UK and we're supporting some really interesting innovation. So we've got things like Teva Trucks down in Essex. They're creating a, a range extended fuel cell truck um, and we're supporting that project. We've got uh, companies like Cummins, a well-established, well-known global company who are looking at both fuel cell, but in the UK, they're doing a, an advanced project to look at combustion of hydrogen, again, into potentially truck and, and heavy vehicle applications. We've got companies like Intelligent Energy producing very advanced fuel cell technology over in Loughborough. And we've got global leaders like Johnson Mathey who are making the membrane electrode assemblies, the MEAs, which are the very heart of the fuel cell technology. So this is you know, really clever stuff. And it goes back to our, our leadership and our strength in research and in innovation, right back to the universities, now coming through to you know, these uh, very important companies. And, and we, what we need to do is push that into growth and commercialization as fast as we can. The UK's world famous for innovation, lithium ion batteries, the internet, so many innovations come from Britain, but it's the commercialization. What, what kind of support are you hearing from the industry needs to go from great ideas, great technology into great businesses? How do we help that happen? Well, it, it goes back to this recognition that just focusing on the innovation or just focusing on the infrastructure or just focusing on incentivizing the consumer, doing one of those is not enough. You've got to create this environment where the whole system works. So you've got to look after all three. Our focus clearly is on that innovation and helping people to bring the right partnerships together, to bring the right supply chains together so that they can move forward and get their innovation and their technology on the road. And then we, of course, have got the uh, Automotive Transformation Fund, which is about building the next generation supply chain in the UK for decarbonized transport solutions. And that includes uh, hydrogen uh, systems and fuel cell technology. And we're working with a number of potential investors in that space. Uh, so, you know, all of these things uh, are what's required to be successful and, 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 and produce real economic output uh, from these technologies. Now, the UK has got some big companies. Um, I, I'm kind of thinking here in the Midlands, we've got Jaguar Land Rover, we've got JCB, we've got Toyota, we've got Rolls-Royce. So there's lots of these great engineering companies. How do we help build the next version of these big corporations from this great technology? I don't think we can overstate the sense of potential that is latent in this technology because this revolution is going to happen. It's not a will it, won't it? Well, the first thing is we've got to support those big companies. I mean, all, the companies you mentioned, people like Jaguar Land Rover and Ford, we're supporting those with potential hydrogen projects. Uh, I know Rolls-Royce in aviation are working on hydrogen technologies. So it's important to support those because we've got to look after what we've got what we've got and make sure it stays up to date and drives a lot of great economic outputs for the country and, and great jobs. But then you said about building the new 
Uh, and, and, and that's all the startups we see. I mean, people like Teva. People like intelligent energy. I mean, they can become global leaders. I mean, there's a long way to go, but we are just as open to supporting and, and, and ensuring that they get the right kind of help as we are those big companies. So it's about balancing across that portfolio. Yeah, is investment an area that you monitor? Because I guess it all comes down to unlocking investment. How, how can you help with that? We do look at, um, we talk to investors a lot. There is absolutely no doubt that investors are looking into, you know, the, the, this buzzword of ESG, uh, investors looking to uh, get their money into these kind of areas. But there's a lot of misunderstandings, there's a lot of confusion, and creating that environment where the information is available to all is really helping people make their investment decisions. What are you excited about at the moment? What's really kind of making you kind of go, well, it must feel like an exciting time to be leading the APC. It is an exciting time. I mean, there's so much to be excited about. You know, the battery electric vehicle technology is really starting to take off now. And we, we see a situation where demand is now ahead of supply in a big way. So that's really exciting. It's great to see that that is on the track. So now looking further ahead at these, uh, you know, we've talked about hydrogen solutions, these hydrogen solutions. Uh, it's really exciting to see how the various bits of technology are, are, are progressing because we don't really know what the final solution is for these heavy vehicles. You know, it could be hydrogen combustion, it could be fuel cells, it, it could in fact be sustainable transport fuels, um, which other people are working on. How the uh, regulations develop in, in, in these spaces can be really important as well. So frankly, there's just so much to be excited about. There's so much that interests me. Uh, it's hard to pick a, pick a single point. Because it's the dialogue, isn't it? Because if legislation potentially isn't aligned with industry or investors aren't aligned with the market, how involved does, is APC there in terms of keeping the different partners at the table and, and talking about building working relationships, I suppose? Well, you know, government is one of our key stakeholders, clearly. Uh, government uh, provide half the money for the projects that we support uh, with industry coming in with the other half. And so they are a key stakeholder and we talk to them all the time. And we talk uh, and we, we use the knowledge that we get from industry, the knowledge we get from analyzing the marketplace, the value chains and the supply chains to constantly update the officials in government so that they know what's going on. And, 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 and in that way, we don't lobby, we don't push, but we provide the data in an objective way in order to help them with their decision-making. Um, in fact, something we've not touched on is that, that there are criticisms about hydrogen as an energy vector, largely around where it comes from and, and the efficiency. What, what, what's your thoughts on that or maybe the APC's view on hydrogen as an energy vector? So I think I think the the key thing about hydrogen is that it can be made perfectly sustainably through the electrolysis process with green hydrogen, so that you can create you know perfectly clean hydrogen from renewable energy sources. You can then put it through a, a fuel cell and create energy and water. And again, you've got a perfectly sustainable, clean system. So that is a very attractive solution. Now, 
The issue is right now, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the investment in place to be able to create the amount of hydrogen we are going to need through that method. But again, it's a journey, isn't it? It's like everything else. If somebody said to me 10 years ago, well, you know, we don't have the batteries, the batteries aren't up to it, so stop working on it, we wouldn't be where we are today with battery electric vehicles. So all of these things are a journey. The point is the technology is proven that can do those things. Now we have to work out how to make it affordable, how to invest in it and how to build it up. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this interview. To find out more about hydrogen transport and the work of the Advanced Propulsion Centre in supporting low carbon mobility, visit abcuk.co.uk.